0: This is Ethan. This is
1: Greg. And this is Paul. And this is Film Addicts. Uh, we're going to be going ahead and discussing the last picture show today. For those of you who don't know, uh, we do cover the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 greatest American films of all times. We are using the 2007 list. So check it out at AFI.com. Greg, why don't you give us some fun facts about the last picture show?
2: Last Picture Show came out in 1971. It's directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Stars. It has a tremendous cast. Stars Timothy Bottoms, Jeff Bridges, Sybil Shepherd, both extremely young in the in these movies. Uh, ben Johnson, Cloris Leachman, Ellen Burstyn, and a very young Randy Quaid. Uh, it's 95 on the list. It was not on the original list. It's 95 on the new anniversary list. It had eight nominations uh, for, at the Academy Awards in 1972. Won two of them. Ben Johnson and Cloris Leachman won Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress.
1: For anyone who hasn't seen the show, this is the the best synopsis I can give. Is it's a, a coming-of-age film for high school seniors in a very small Texas town in the 1950s. Uh, Sonny and his best friend Dwayne learn a lot about dating, love, and sex as they try to figure out how to live
0: their lives. So initial impressions gentlemen or had you seen it before i'd never seen it before i i mean the people in it some of them are very famous to me because Mm -hmm. i really like western so i'd seen ben johnson a bunch of times he's on the afi list uh two other times both in westerns shane and the wild bunch and jeff bridges of course the big lebowski i'm all about the big lebowski so it was
2: cool to see them but he's not on the list anywhere else is he i don't think jeff so. bridges i yeah, don't know i, don't
0: no. so. I mean there's i a, think he's a tremendous actor though i think mean, he's a very very yeah. good actor mm-hmm. there's a cool quiz actually on uh sporkle.com we don't advertise for them but there one of the quizzes is actors in the most afi movies so mm, hold on it's a cool actor you're in never the gonna guess the number one
2: <laughs> john wayne
0: no they uh, cut all his movies <laughs> <laughs> the is it somebody weird? It's like Casey Affleck. No, but it's you're like actually John... <laughs> pretty close with John Wayne. It's Ward Bond who was in like okay. every single John Wayne movie. He has like a million small parts. Samuel L. Jackson is in three of them actually. He's in Pulp Fiction. He's in Goodfellas just for like a tiny. You're bed. right. Okay. Yeah, right there. And then do the right thing. Yeah. You're right there. So there's a lot of people that are in Tom three. Hanks is in a couple. Tom Hanks right? is in uh three. Harrison Ford's got to He's in four, I think, because he's in in American Graffiti just a little bit. Then right. there's Blade Runner. Then there's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there's Star Wars. And there's Star Wars, yeah. And then, so, <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about this, but it's, <laughs> see, it's like an awesome quiz. It is. I kind of want to do there's it. There's like a bunch of people. So that, who is number one? Ward Bond. Oh. It's a guy. And how many? I think it's like seven or something. Like wow. That. There's quite a few people at four. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's like ten or so people at three. Like Jack Nicholson is in three. Yeah. Uh, but Dustin Hoffman is in four. He's in The Graduate. He's in All the President's Men. He's in Tootsie. And then there's one. one C- uh, it's not on there, but he's in that movie.
2: Hmm, what else would he be on? Uh, you said The Graduate. And then uh, Humphrey Bogart's in four too, I think. So wait, Dustin Hoffman, Graduate,
0: Tootsie. uh, all the President's Men. All
2: the President's Men. And then there's one
0: more? I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's I Hook. It's Hook. Yeah. I <laughs> don't what? get me
1: started on Hook, baby. Is Dustin Hoffman Hook? Who is Dustin Hoffman He's He's Hook? Hook. But he's so... I didn't, he doesn't look like himself. <laughs> not at yeah, all. He looks
0: great. All right, we're going to have to cut all this because we're not even talking about I don't the last think picture we have show. To no, no okay. this, I think is I don't think this is so, no, course, the fun part of this particular podcast. Of course, no. we're friends. Yeah, I have not seen it before, no last picture greg i hadn't seen it before either
2: so for this one i actually watched it twice and i would say there are certain movies that when you watch once or at least for me when i watched the first time i don't get it i don't get why it's super famous the example i always give which i've given on previous podcasts and i'll give in future podcasts for me is the graduate saw the first time didn't really get it saw the second time and i was like I totally understand why people think this movie is incredible. The first time, had no idea. This movie, after I watched it the first time, didn't get it. And I expected it. I don't know why. I was expecting it to feel like The Graduate the second time, where I thought I was going to watch this because it has such a great cast, very good acting, really unique, like a lot of uniqueness to this movie. I thought I was going to watch it a second time and, and be blown away like I was with The Graduate. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely not. It was, it was, it fell flat just as much as it did the first time for me. So watched it, hadn't seen it before, watched it twice for this, for this podcast. Had you seen it before, Paul? Uh,
1: I had not. um, And I would kind of, kind of agree with you. I was underwhelmed. I think the thing that stood out to me most about the movie was, and I know this was made in 1971, but it, it portrayed a 1950s era that, you usually, I don't usually see or no. think about when I think about the 1950s because it's usually so quintessentially like, you know, everything's perfect. Normal. American That's graffiti
2: pre- is what you think of for the 50s. Yeah, you, right? you don't you don't think about this very small town Texas. Like yeah, yeah. Right. And now the small town stuff we get in Texas most of the time it tends to be around. I mean, maybe I'm just generalizing. It seems like it's always about like sports. You know, like something yeah, Friday like, Night Lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it gives you that feeling of like. We're in a small town. We don't have anything to do. The only thing that the town revolves around is sports. And you kind of see a hint of that with oh, like the, football, bit, I think, the yeah. football in this movie. But it's not the central focus like
0: it is for other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Good point. Yeah. What's the best thing in the movie to you, Paul? What's the most standout of if you had to choose between music, acting, directing, writing, dialogue... Cinematography, editing. What do you think is the best aspect of film for this? Maybe the acting. Maybe?
1: I think you're going be, like, oh, be like, pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would like to pass. Maybe, because so I, you don't even think acting is that strong. But you think that's the strongest, even though they're all
1: weak? Yeah, I didn't think the acting was amazing in this movie. I didn't really think anything. Like, like I said at the beginning, I think I was a little underwhelmed by the film. You know? mm. It's a different story and some interesting characters, but nothing. nothing stood out to me enough or sucked me in. The acting, the characters were good. I didn't think they were amazing and nothing else about the film I particularly liked. It's not the type of movie that
2: if you're not into film that you're gonna like. If you are Slow on the Paul's entertainment scale. If if you are into Blockbusters, (laughs) if your favorite movies are you know the Marvel series, you are not going to like the last picture. Don't, Don't even waste your time with it. So best thing for me, two things for me. One is the acting. I think the acting in the movie is incredible. And it's the only thing that really kind of saves the movie for me. The other thing that I think we'll talk more about the acting. So I'll kind of table that for now. The other thing that was, that was the best attribute of the movie for me was that this movie sincerely surprised me that there were Mm. so many scenes where what is happening is completely not what I would expect. I was like, I was like, it
0: shocked me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, they have this small town, movie that's in black point. and white black and white movies are usually like I, this is a really bad example but it's like Pleasantville right it's always like oh black and white are happy it's Miracle on 34th Street right like it's 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 a wonderful life like uh, Miracle on 34th Street's not in black right the old one is oh, okay. There's yeah. Like an old one. yeah there's a newer one that's not yeah. so
1: versus this movie which is adultery, this, sex, yeah, and
2: I depression was like, I totally thought it was going to be like happy small town and every mm-hmm. single scene where th- shit happened I was like God, okay, did not expect that. Whoa, did not expect that. Like, True. it was literally Melrose Place. Like, it was awesome. I. But it's not executed to the level that I want it to be, and it didn't excite me like it should have. So it surprised me, and I feel like it should have excited me. I don't know why it didn't, because mm-hmm. I could not have predicted
1: where the story went five different times in the in the movie. And question, have, you, have either of you guys written a book that this thing is based on? No, no. Usually, I, I didn't even know it was based it, on so, a book. So. Yeah. yeah, some autobiographical book that was written in
0: 1966, it looks like. So, I guess it is in black and white. We can talk about that before we talk about acting stuff. What, to you, Greg, I'll ask you first so you have time to think about it, Paul. Thanks. Uh, what would you say is your more favorite black and white movies. And yeah. then what did you think about black and white being used or why do you think they use it? Cause obviously they don't have to, I mean, in 1939, they had color for wizard of Oz. So in 1971, I'm sure they have color for, we'll, have to, double, we'll have to double check yeah, yeah. that, but I, I think so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I mean the number one black and white movie, of course is Casablanca. I mean, I think it, it's like an easy choice for most people. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you have, you're far more well-versed in kind of black and white than I am. So maybe you have something else, but to me, The quintessential black-and-white film is Casablanca, which isn't necessarily the same, like, happy-go-lucky kind of film as, like, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: other things that I had sort of named, the, like, holiday movies. Um, But those are the movies more people are more in terms of – besides Casablanca, I think it would be hard for a lot of people to name – Black and white pictures besides, like, Sin City. <laughs> yeah, Schindler's List. They're yeah, the more yeah. modern ones that elected to use black and white. Yeah, I mean, because Bogart, he did Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is also Simpson on the King. AFI list. Uh, Maltese Falcon is on the AFI list, also in black and white. Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bull. Raging Bull, was chosen.
2: again, chosen to be black, yeah. Black
0: yeah and white. I mean, I like, uh, I mean, of course, I like Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, always, and then Red River, which is the movie that plays at the end of this movie that Sean, which Wayne was like one of my questions
2: here. I'm like, I don't know what
0: movie that is. Oh, it's red river. It's like super obvious. Is
2: there, is there a point to it? Like, well, why is that? What's, what's the kind of the well, theme of that? Or do you want
0: to No, no, it's okay. We can that. talk about it a little bit. I mean, red river is a John Wayne movie. John Wayne's supposed to be older and what the beginning of the movie, he's young and the girl he likes, he like kind of breaks off to do his own thing. He wants to start a ranch with literally like two cows And he wants to live the American dream, and he is going to come back for this girl in this wagon train, and then they all get kind of killed by, uh, like, the Apache in the area. And then he finds this kid who survives, and then that kid, like, becomes John Wayne's son, pretty much. And then they start this ranch, and then they continue on, and then slowly throughout the film, the generation gap becomes more and more evident, and then they, like, space apart. That's the movie, Mm. but it was chosen to be in black and white as was the man who shot Liberty Valance and Red River is one of afis if you go, they have a top 10 for genre and it's one of the top 10 for Western, Mm. which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean stagecoach also black and white John Wayne not on the original list not on this list all the ones I know are Westerns very much. Besides the Humphrey Bogart movies.
2: Or the ones that kind of elected. Or like the old kind of holiday movies
0: yeah, that I yeah. kind of said. I mean, I'm I'm trying to, Citizen Kane's yeah. the other like really big. You know, it's not yeah. a Western. It's in black and white. Though, I like so. black and white. For this movie, a lot of times choosing black and white, usually it's to show white, good, black, bad, or the opposite sometimes. Uh, and just to... Create such like a large dichotomy especially with the light and this movie choosing it to do black and white seems kind of crazy because every single thing is so muddled and gray yeah mm. not only like the landscape the water the texture but like everyone's morality everyone's
2: mood the quality of life that yeah, everyone just seems it, to lead, the happiness that people seem to have you know like never happy with anything yeah people cheating on their husbands people it's like I'm not happy in this town I want to leave, or I want you to leave. I'm not happy for what this kid, you know, what I'm getting for my kids, or my girlfriend's breaking up with me. I've been with my girlfriend for a year. I'm not happy with her. Like, or I'm just going to break
0: up with her. Like, It really adds to the bleakness. I think it was a good decision, or at least a unique decision that was made for a reason, not just randomly.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they chose it. It's this coming-of-age movie, right? Yes. And it seems to be on the list because they saying it's the best coming of age movie right mm-hmm. I mean is that is that literally why we think it's on the list I when I when I kind of browse the list I, I don't immediately see another coming of age movie on here mm-hmm. that strikes me as something like great well, is this the best coming of age movie to you
0: well I mean for most people our age it would probably be between 25 to 45 I would say a lot of people would probably say hey, stand by me Stand By Me is my favorite
2: coming of age. A lot of people say The Breakfast Club for yeah. Gen Xers, yeah. Yeah. which is more modern. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was the, yeah. I, I, I like both of those movies more than I like this movie, I would but agree. I'm trying to think if what, they are higher quality than this movie.
2: I would say Stand By Me, for me, is 100% higher quality than would this movie. Would you replace movie. I would 100%. I love Stand By Me. Uh-huh. I would 100% replace it. I think that the acting in Stand By Me is really, really good from those kids. What you need for And children I good. watched that movie. Maybe it's different. I didn't grow up in a small town, and I didn't have the benefit of being able to attend naked swimming parties and fuck everyone <laughs> I wanted. So, my life was not this You're life. You're missing out. I am missing out, I know. But I lived Stand By Me. Like, Stand By Me when I was 12, and I had I literally had a group of four guys, and we were like the closest, mm-hmm. and that was, like, my life. Like, I look at Sam, By Me and I say, that was my life. The conversations they have about who would win in a fight between Mighty Mouse and Superman, like, <laughs> dumb crap like that. That was my life. So I look at that and I say, this is the best coming-of-age mm-hmm. story to me. And I think the acting of those four kids is incredible, led by River Phoenix, who's, like, just
0: insane, insanely good as a 12 I get player. so tainted because of Will Wheaton and Star Trek The Next Generation. And but, you don't like Will Wheaton? <laughs> I don't like his character. I like Will Wheaton a lot. Yeah. And he does great audiobooks for, uh, like, Ready Player One and stuff like that, actually.
2: So you yeah. don't like his character in... In Stand By Me,
0: you don't no, you no, know. I don't like Gordy his character, don't, I don't like uh Crusher in oh. Next Generation, so you really just, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I have a hard time separating the art great. from the yes. artist, I yes. guess. <laughs> uh,
1: Let's uh, not I call start... what we mean artist, yeah. So, a question for you on that on Stand By Me, there are no female protagonists at all in that movie, yeah.
2: There I, is, I'm not a female, but would you? So.
1: Wait, but and then we are a bunch of dudes here talking yeah. about these movies. Do so yeah. you think that makes a difference, a big enough difference? I wonder what,
2: I mean, what's that movie with. The one where it's like, isn't it Rosie O'Donnell? There's like four little girls. That, it's the same movie, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say
0: Rotten Green Tomatoes.
2: No, no, no. There's <laughs> like, one where it's like, there's four girls. Oh, what is it? And that's kind of like the Stand By Me equivalent, but it's not nearly as
0: good. See, whatever that is. I would say I my, not really to like it. such a crazy degree, but I would say my high school younger life is more like Last Picture Show than it is. Like, stand by me.
2: Your high school life was? Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. God, you were cooler than me. No, and I i don't want to say that. But <laughs> well, I uh, also was from, like, a small town. Like, everyone knew what you were doing. Everyone knew your business. They asked you how, like, your track meet went or how your mm. team was doing. Stuff like that. Like, that is what right. a lot of things revolved around. Right. And you didn't have a lot to do. Like, we lived like 45 minutes from the nearest closest place. Not everyone had a car. Like when they're riding around in the cars with each other, just hanging out and the car is like your home. That's how mm-hmm. I felt uh, pretty much my whole life. But let's, uh, what about you, Paul? More like Stand By Me, would you say? Uh,
1: between Stand By Me, I, I think probably more of The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah? Okay. yeah I'm going to throw that out there no, rather than fine. Stand By Me or The Last Picture Show. Uh, did Did your high school kind of have these,
2: these like, all this weird sexual things kind of.
0: Happen. Well, I mean, like we didn't have like pools, but we lived next to national forest. You know, people would get in the jeeps and head out. You know, Friday night.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and how about uh, how about your depression level? And in, in, uh, I mean, some people up? were depressed, but I definitely it's a small town. There's people that have been stuck there their whole life. People that are still stuck there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's also this movie has such a large appeal to so many generations. Like there's the old people that came back from the war and they're just sitting around and all they want is a simple life. And they've made a simple life for their kids, but their kids don't want a simple life. And then there's kids that want to stay the simple life, but yet they're attached to partners who don't want the simple life. It just it's ripping and shredding people apart based on their generations, based on what they want. And you're compounded into this like by the pressure of such a small town. I th- I think it's very believable. I know you don't think – Or thought it was not as believable. But the things that they're doing, the things that are happening, I know of things that have happened like
2: that. I did struggle to buy into the believability because Mm -hmm. I was a dork and apparently did not. I I like movie podcasts and
0: I did not live this kind of crazy, Mm -hmm. somewhat like debaucherous kind of life. So it's very strange. Like... I'll talk to people and they'll be like, high school was the worst. I hate it. And I was like, I thought it was like the sickest thing ever. Not that I, I mean, I i did not peak in high school. Like I have a doctorate, so I keep moving forward, but.
1: Son has not peaked
0: yet. Yeah. So
1: still- I, I peaked well before high school. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth
2: grade. Stand by me. Playground kickball champion. champion. <laughs> I was the best
0: looking so, kid in third I grade. I dealt with like a lot of stuff like this, like you would have or knew people that had like a girlfriend or a boyfriend that their whole life they were going to stay in that small town and yet they other people were going to leave and they would like try and stay attached to that person but you can't, they're like an anchor or the other person is like pulling you away from what you want or you're like trying to make someone leave something that they think is okay mm. I don't know, the generation gaps is, it's really hard to deal with
2: If we want to spice this in later the movie I was talking about that is the Sam, the like Girls, Stand By Me equivalent was is called Now and Then. Mm. Has Christina Ricci, uh, Melanie Griffiths in it. Demi Moore is in it. Mm. She actually produced it. Mm. Rosie O'Donnell's in it. Rita Wilson's in it. There's like a four women that are like adults and they're thinking about their like time as kids. So there's like four uh, kids that are playing it and four like adults that are like talking about it.
0: So, let's just go back to the acting then, Paul. Your favorite thing about the movie, even though it's still weak for you. What about you, Greg? Who do you think did the best job, or what would you like to say I
2: think two different kind of designations for me. I would say the best job is probably Ben Johnson. You're a Ben Johnson fan, and I've been really, you know, exposed to him in the past. I haven't. This is my first Ben Johnson movie that I know of. Potentially, Mm -hmm. he's been in something else that maybe I, you know, don't know, or I saw a long time ago, but Everything that he did was incredibly believable, delivered very, very strongly. I could see why he is in a ton of Westerns. He seems like a perfect fit for that. So I'd say for their actual role, he probably did the best, but the people, probably the person that I liked the best, I guess, is um, Jeff Bridges. Like there are moments where Jeff Bridges, I, I don't know if you guys kind of remember this. They're in the car. It's just him and Tim. And they're kind of like laughing and, there's moments like that where it seems like kind of hokey and, and acting's like not really on par, but then there are moments with Dwayne scenes where I just feel like you can see so much talent in him. Very similar to what I referenced with river Phoenix and stand by me, where you can see like, man, this kid is really good. I feel like I saw that with Jeff Bridges in several scenes where I was like, man, very believable, especially like the fight between him and Tim. I was just like, you're a very talented actor. You're going to be a very talented actor. And for me, at least he's proven to be. Like, maybe he's not blockbuster Harrison Ford on a million, you know, popular movies. Mm. But I would say he's an extremely, extremely talented actor. And I really thought you could see it in, like, a young Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah.
0: Movies. When he's, like, hiding in the car and he doesn't want to get caught by Sam the Lion. Yeah. That guy in. Like, like, it would be hard to play a person who is so ashamed and, like, defacing yourself and going against everything that thought it was just funny and then you're like oh it was really bad and i don't want to own up to anything it's a i think he does do a good job i mean obviously i think ben johnson is crazy great like he has a star you know in my heart just because he's in those westerns um, the Walker yeah, yeah 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 and he he he's not yeah, as many as the he does different parts like in this movie he is the conscience of this town he is like the chief of this like whole community and he is a good person, but he's old and he is sick, like he's coughing. So it's very sim- – I think the movie has a lot of symbolism in that he is like the one great, good, solid person, and he's the only person that's sick in the whole movie. But also Ben Johnson in The Wild Bunch, he's like a lecherous like, – he's like trying to get Mexican ladies to sleep with him the whole time. He's kind of like really rough. And then in Shane, he's a young – like arrogant guy that's standing up for something he just doesn't even really understand he's like almost like a bigot so he has very different and when you say he is good as a cowboy greg it's ironic you should say so because he first got hired by john ford to wrangle horses and cattle from the american southwest to california like so he's actually he actually (laughs) is he used to break horses like (laughs) like that was his job Wow. That's how he got What is break Horses, You know like they buck like horses there's wild horses and they have to break them to become domesticated. Domesticated. Oh. So he that's where riding buck and broncos came from because they oh, were trying to okay. make wild horses tame horses. So you had to ride them until they accepted you. That's like mm-hmm. why it's a rodeo thing. That's a shitty job. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough job. I don't know. So It seems like you're going to get kicked in the chest. A and lot. then he got uh Like a small role and then, but he was always like very silent and he didn't say much. I guess he got in a fight with John Ford apparently and then John Ford didn't use him in a movie for 10 years because of like some like kind of smaller argument. Interesting. So I'm a big Ben Johnson fan. I mean, he wins the award. I mean, he is so stoic and so powerful. Like it's like he's the only person taking everything that's going on seriously.
1: Right. My favorite scene of the movie is when they're sitting there fishing and Sam the Lion, Ben Johnson is reminiscing. Yeah, I agree. That is the
0: best scene, I think. It's just so powerful. It's so believable. And it's very reminiscent of a lot of older Westerns. Like, the director is... Referencing the last picture show, like at the beginning, there's a John Wayne cavalry film that's being advertised. Then it's John Wayne, Sanzo Jima At the end of the movie, mm. it's Red River. Like they're also advertising for next week. They're going to be playing Winchester '73 by Jimmy Stewart. So everyone in this whole town, they have this idea that like it's almost like this movie theater is like their church. Like their heroes are John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart. Would be Ben Johnson if he wasn't in the movie you know? Right. And Ben Johnson is, like, the prototype of those people, and everyone wants to be like that, but, like, it's almost like no one else in the whole town is. Like, I can't believe what, like, a Sodom and Gomorrah, like, type place it is, even though on the outside they're trying not to be.
2: It's, uh, I mean, I guess we're doing favorite scene then, right? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, you I guess I guess <laughs> yeah. we should say, so you guys said fishing scene, which, I mean, very, very close to that is, to me, it's where Sam lectures the boys, like, uh-huh. afterwards. I just feel like it's very, very powerful um, and very, very believable to me in a movie that oftentimes for me lacked believability. Now, based on, uh, you said autobiography, right? Yeah. So clearly this stuff did happen, but to me, sometimes just because things happen doesn't mean that it necessarily that I can buy in or relate or believe in it. And Ben Johnson made me believe in that. I have been scolded by parents for not selling my friend or not buying my friend a prostitute but you know but, but that exact scolding i have received from several of my friends parents from my own parents like yeah. that is just a very very well done scene to me let me ask a question uh
0: 1972
2: oscars we <laughs> we uh, best picture that year french connection yeah is this better than french connection
0: no i think french connection is better okay i would agree Okay. Does Ben Johnson do a better job than of Gene, Gene Hackman and Roy Schneider? I mean, it's pretty close. I but I think Roy ben Schneider Johnson, lost to Ben Johnson. Yeah, so. I mean, but those two killed it. I mean, it's just like
2: the other thing that was nominated this year which so five nominees that year, French Connection won. The other nominee is The Last Picture Show, Fiddler on the Roof, which I've seen Fiddler on the Roof. It's okay. Nicholas and Alexandra, which I've never seen, No, I and A Clockwork Orange. So mm-hmm. of these, I would say A Clockwork Orange to me, hands down, of the three. So three is movies the
0: best. from the same Oscar year on the AFI list, nominated for best. That's picture, crazy. Yeah. I wonder what year has the most. That would be a good. Wonder fact. if it's a year of like five. Yeah. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. I mean, now it's not as big because now they nominate I ten hate films. That. It's super I stupid. Hate it's I know. so We don't dumb. need to go into that, but yeah. that nominating ten films. It used to be an honor to be nominated. Now it's like. Yeah. Now you're like, uh, oh, we'll nominate Up. Yeah, and now they don't Nothing even... wrong with Up, I like Up. Like, yeah. come on. Let's... And they don't do ten films, they do eight. So if you don't get nominated, it's more like a big old kick to the gut. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. Uh, and still
2: so... they somehow fuck it up. They still, like, <laughs> miss movies half the time. Yeah. So, I don't know. some big misses. So, that acting, anything you want to talk about as
0: far as, like, themes or anything you want to hit on well, that's kind of major? I think some of the directing is doing... I like the symbolism. I don't know if the director is mostly in charge of that, but we talked about the black and white. We talked about uh, the old movies and how the style is copying them. I also, when Sam the Lion dies, I mean, even Sam the Lion's name, it makes him sound like a knight. Do you know what I mean? Which he is for the town. But when Sam the Lion dies and the kids get back from Mexico and he just sits down in the street and that stoplight goes from green to red or red to green, I can't tell because it's black and white. And it's just like life is so unforgiving and not even unforgiving. It just doesn't care. And not even in a mean way. It just simply does not care. It continues. just like It is. It just is. Just like the stoplight changes from red to green or green to red. It just like doesn't even matter. And then the kid, uh, Billy, who has like the developmental disability when he gets killed, that's the, that's the time that uh, Bottoms, he takes his Letterman jacket off and he puts it over the kid and He's done being a kid. Like, the Eternal Child, which is a very classic character in almost any, like, great epic tale, always is lost. There's always, like, an Eternal Child, like, Hagrid is in Harry Potter. Like, the Eternal Child always gets left behind or does some final thing at the end to bring the hero to, like, a realization. So... That's really good. And then also the truck that kills him is, like, full of cattle that's, like, stuck in a tight place, just like he feels like he's stuck in a tight place. Mm. There's, like, a lot of really good, more subtle symbolism that I just think is excellent. More potentially attributable
2: probably to the screenwriter and executed by the director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, but in—I don't know who's choosing the shots, but, like, the Texaco— sign at the very beginning it's missing one letter and then at the end of the movie it's like missing two letters like it's like the town is like constantly degrading like the people in this kid's life are constantly leaving him or being taken away i don't know it it just builds nicely i think i wish the movie was more entertaining but i think someone's doing great artistry with it
2: do you think it was entertaining in 1971 was like i mean because sometimes we have movies that are shocking Mm -hmm. and you're like uh This is not a movie, but an example I would potentially use is the musical Rent. Mm. When Rent came out in the Mm. early 90s, it was, like, shocking. Drug use, AIDS, like, all these things. Homosexuality, like, prostitution. All these things that, like, were pretty taboo, not necessarily mainstream, and they had this huge musical about it, and everyone like freaked out, and they thought it was great. Wins Tonys, hugely popular. Yeah. Now you go back and you watch Rent, though, and it's tame compared to what we see, right? Mm. Do you think that this movie would have had a more, would have been more entertaining in 1971 because some of these things might have been
0: more shocking than they are today for us in 2016 watching it? That would be a good idea. I, it's really hard to know. We would have to ask someone who was there. But I mean, it even shocked me now. A little yeah bit. yeah especially like thinking about it that it's an older movie but it was very unexpected but I don't know how lasting shock is like you could go back and
1: watch it again would you be nearly shocked no right but, mm-hmm. I really thought I was gonna like it the second time mm-hmm. I really you watched but, it twice yeah yeah what did you after
2: you saw it once what was your did you think you were gonna like it more or less on the second go? I now?
0: thought I would like it more but I liked it more the first time because the shock value was like, I depleted agree. the second time yeah. and once Sam the Lion goes, the film sorely misses Ben Johnson being in the film.
2: I yeah. Think. Even though he's not a huge part of it,
0: his scenes are impactful he when walks he's walks on it. and you really feel him. I mean yeah. there's not a lot of actors, at least for me, that have such immediate presence saying nothing. I mean, he's a great speaking actor and non speaking actor. I mean, we always talk about Russell Crowe, gladiator, non speaking actor doing like a sensational job, but he does both those things so good. It's cool. I'm yeah.
2: I guess so. We're on the same page of the the second viewing. It's of good. It yeah. I mean, Paul, you
1: want to talk about the music, right? Well, the music is a large part of this film, mm-hmm. right? It's all talking about love. This, this love is a very large theme. It's all
0: the same artist. It's uh, like they want love to be a very huge theme, but I'm not sure how huge a theme it is. It seems like almost that these people in this small town are replacing like lust for love. Like that's their only. So the only real aspect of love that I'm seeing is between Ben Johnson and Bernston. Those are the only ones. Ellen Bernston is Sybil Shepherd's mom, but she's
2: like cheating on her husband.
0: Right? Yeah, but they talk about how they love each other. You know how Sam the line when he's at the fishing hole, he's talking about her, even though you don't know it until later. And then she, when she drops off uh, Sunny at the place that he now owns, she talks to him about how she... Knew that Sam the Lion loved her and that she was a girl that he took out to, like, the swimming hole and stuff. Hmm. And those are the only two people that seem to actually talk about love and I'm believing them. The rest is all just, I don't know. It's like because sex is such a taboo thing, that's all they think about. And because that's all they think about, that's all every relationship is about. It's almost as if, if they didn't have, hold such importance to it mm-hmm. that they could have real relationships. True.
1: It's a good point. But I mean that th- there is a lot of whether or not it's actual love in the film, there mm-hmm. are other examples of people being together for one reason or another. Oh yeah, that's like that's a huge part of it. Yeah, I agree. So I mean the music is fairly obvious in that regard. I guess yeah, and
2: it's cool that they use a single person's yeah. music throughout the whole movie Interesting. and that
1: it's not a musical.
2: You don't always see that, right? Mm-hmm just trying to think of some examples that kind of come to mind for me. Uh, The Bee Gees and Saturday Night Fever kind of comes to mind, or maybe Whitney Houston and the Bodyguard. So, like, there's just certain movies where they incorporate it, and it's... But Saturday Night Fever is, like, almost kind of a musical a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels more like a musical. This is... All the music is just in the background, kind of adding the story, which is cool. I'm not a Hank Williams fan, so it is lost on me. Hmm. I feel like this movie is lost on me. And that is not to take away from the movie. My critique is more a
0: personal critique rather than an objective critique. I think in this case, mm-hmm. music included. So it might've at the time been very identifiable. It might be like the breakfast club yeah. for people of that time. Essentially. We just don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but a coming of age story is a very powerful story. I mean, everyone gets older or they die, you know? Right. Everyone experiences it in some way, shape, or form. And whether you were a nerdy in high school or you went to crazy parties, I guess, in some way it's happening to you. Yeah, and there's generally some nostalgia around that as well. Mm-hmm. People don't like getting
1: older for the most part.
0: Yeah. It was it's very... the a
2: privilege bestowed yeah. on too few.
0: I was just so... I was depressed a lot of the time. And it made me very anxious that, like, these people, like, could have been me. Like, I could have been... I wanted to leave my small town, so it could have been me to be, be stuck there, but then other people wanted to stay and they were forced to leave and stuff like that. You know, I'm not saying like, stay. for jobs, like, yeah, like, like staying is bad or like, anything like is that. Is it but Zach, your friend Zach? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah stay, he wants right? to stay, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's totally fine. I just, it's like, I almost found myself judging the people that wanted to be stay, to stay. Right. And I'm sure other people are watching it. It just, I feel like it appeals to a lot of people. It just may not appeal to our age group right at this time. It's fair you guys want to talk
1: about grades?
2: Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So like I said, already kind of summarized The movie surprised me, which was great. Acting is really good, but I didn't connect with the movie, didn't connect with the music. And a lot of the time it wasn't overly believable for me. To me, it's a definition of the viewer and the movie being detached from each other. It's a C plus for me, as I've kind of dictated in my kind of rankings before. If it's a B minus, it's the type of movie that I'll probably watch again. If it was on TV one day or something like that, I would probably stop changing the channel and watch it. If it's a C+, I'll probably never watch it again. I will probably never watch this movie again.
0: You son? Yeah, I want to give it like a super low B. You know, like if you had missed one more question, you would have got a B- minus on the <laughs>
2: quiz. Rounded up. Yeah.
0: The like 82.5. Yeah. Just yeah, enough. Yeah. You have a nice teacher, so you got to be, but yeah. you should have got a B uh, minus. <laughs> I really like the beginning. I think Sam the Lion is killing it. Ben Johnson, when he's in the movie, I really feel the town. I really feel the time. Everything in the movie is like perfect. Like the people's houses, like what they have on their table. I really feel it. I mean, my life experience was much closer to this than standby stand by my, me or the breakfast club. So hmm. it appeals to me a lot. So very low B. I don't know if I would. I don't. I watched it a couple times, and I was getting a little tired of the same theme by the end of it. What about you, Paul?
1: Overall enjoyment factor, as we discussed, was fairly low. can guy- <laughs> <laughs> you close your eyes and say that fairly low? Um, I gotta. I, I gotta say, I gave this one a C. Okay. Not definitely. In, in Greg's terms, I will do. I will avoid this movie if at all possible. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> that
2: sounds like worse than a C, then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the way you're yeah. <laughs> at all if at all possible, I will avoid this movie. <laughs> maybe I should be giving it worse than a C. But. Yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: get more accurate with our grades as we continue on.
1: That's the other thing. Out of this group of individuals, I am the one who's going to have the most... Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Eye opening. I, I will get more and more context. You're as we choosing go down this with list. your id. Your id dictates your grades. Well,
0: I think <laughs> these ten are pretty good. So it also. It, is a little tough.
1: And I, I said this before we started recording. One of the notes that I jotted down while watching this film was "100 movies of depression" in all caps. So at this point, I was pretty. I was feeling pretty down on <laughs> on the AFI list. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of
0: depression in that first ten, except for just Toy Story, right? Yeah, and even true. then, it's a little sad. Why I gotta be so mean to Buzz, Woody. Kind of look at, yeah,
2: a lot of depression. Yeah. Yankee Doodle Dandy is not that depressing, I guess. I, was, I am depressed by watching it. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, few movies get more depressing than Sophie's Choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or Schindler's List. Yeah. Schindler, yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you're
2: going with the Nazis. I, I was just talking about the 10 that we had. <laughs> oh, yeah. F- yeah. Like I guess that's true. Yeah, there's probably nothing more depressing than Sophie's Choice. That, that definitely
0: had a very large. Impact. Uh, so recommendations. Yeah. So coming of age stories. I feel like every time I have secret recommendations, Greg, you always talk about the movies that I'm going to talk about, <laughs> oh, which is, that sucks. should make sense because they should be related. They should be what we're talking about. I think when you kept and, asking. And for the record, Isan does not share his recommendations with us beforehand. So I have no true. idea what he's going to choose. So when you're talking about on the FI list, is there another coming of age story? To me, the most definable kind of coming of age story is The Graduate.
1: It just is a
0: very short time of coming in. Yeah, but the ugh. kid is done with college, and he graduated early. He was his track star. He was his hot shot, and now you're done. Now it's time to move on from being awesome and having this like awesome life and being a kid to getting a lame job and wearing a tie and sitting down. Some plastics. Yeah, yeah. So he just sits in the pool, you know, and then he does something very similar in the last picture. Show is that he. Clings to something that makes him feel alive or feel special again. So I, I mean, I really recommend it. It's very high. I think it's at least top fifteen on the AFI list. Right. It was number seven on the least. original. I'll I think it fell just quick.
2: a little bit. It is 17, seventeen. So it went from seven to seventeen. And then it's uh, a great
0: recommendation. Yeah, another one. Of course, it depends on how your life was. I would say if you were a little kid and you're like Greg, if you've listened to other podcasts more like him, I would say Stand By Me is really good Another, this is a little bit A little bit more out there And it's a little bit more about a kid And it takes place It's mostly flashbacks But if you're a kid who didn't have Like any of these problems But was just kind of solitary And were really obsessed with like one thing And that one thing defined you And it wasn't sex I would recommend Cinema Paradiso It's an Italian film actually I think it's on Netflix right now And it has been for like two years I've had it in my watch list I've watched it a couple times. It's about a little kid in a small town in Italy, and he becomes attached to this older man who becomes his mentor for film, and he actually grows up to be like a great director. So if you're into film, coming-of-age story, I really recommend that. Good fun. Yeah. Nice. So uh,
1: what are we going to be doing next time, Mr. Greg? So next time we're doing number 94 on the list.
2: It's another, I haven't heard of it, uh, Pulp? Pulp Fiction? Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: oh ho, ho. Don't <laughs> <what you>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're doing Pulp Fiction next time, and we're really excited about it.
1: All right. Well, with that said, I think we're wrapped up here. This is Ethan. This is Greg. This is Paul. Have a good one.